17, and I spent 20 minutes, and so I, we got to hurry. Uh, so turn to Revelation chapter 17. This is my last Wednesday night, and uh, I know somebody say, thank God, Brother Patterson will be back in here next Wednesday night. We got a prayer revival starting next week. Our prayer revivals are good for the health of our church. Okay, they really are. Churches that pray keeps things at bay. And the Lord can work. So look at Revelation chapter 17, starting verse 1. The Bible says there, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and taught me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. And so when we look at this uh, part here, and I want to try to move through this as quickly as I, as I can because I want to get to the part where that the Lord is going to confine a group and put them in to a place, and we'll kind of delve into that. Uh, but but this, this prostitute, this harlot, uh, is something that you look at that takes something that is to be used properly and uses it in a sinful or an improper way. Now, if you want some homework, here's what you need to do. You need to take Proverbs chapter 7 and you need to make a comparison of that woman and then turn to Proverbs 31 and make a comparison of those two women in Proverbs 7 and in Proverbs 31. When you come away from that study, and I'm talking about writing down the phrases and even doing some cross-referencing, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find out what the picture of a false church and what a real church looks like. So Proverbs chapter 7 very closely emulates this woman that we read about here in Revelation 17. Now here's the thing about Babylon. There is a political, there is a military, there is an economic, there is an ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical means church. What John is seeing here, he's seeing how this woman has corrupted the, the, the religion. How she, how she has led people away. Here's what else we find out. Her opponents, she kills them. 
she, she, she cuts their heads off and, and, and does them in. And uh, I believe that this is a picture of the Roman Catholic Church, which is a false system. And if you look at and read Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, you can understand really quickly that there was a lot of Protestants that died at the hands of uh, those in the Catholic Church there. So, and again, I know that's not politically or religiously correct in a day where everybody's talking about toleration and so forth. But just keep this in mind. There's always a false church and there's always going to be a true church. Just like in a congregation, and this is scary, that there are tares and that there are wheat. There's, there's good ground, there's stony ground, there's wayside, and then what's the other one? Thorny ground. Okay, four types of souls that you find. You find that in churches. Revelation 2 and 3, the seven churches of Revelation. You find those varieties that are in local congregations. So whenever we start thinking about how that the harlot represents religion, uh, religion does have a proper role. Turn over to James chapter 1 and look there in James chapter 1 and I want you to look in verse 26. Here is what the scripture has to say. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So, so again, true religion. There's something again that if you have been truly converted, there's going to be some works, there's going to be some things that are present there in your life. Now, the, the false use of religion leads to what some of the Old Testament prophets understood and looked at is what they called it, spiritual fornication. Turn back in your Bibles, and uh, I won't read this one because it's too lengthy, uh, but Hosea chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you have not visited Hosea recently and all his dealings with, with uh, Gomer, uh, it is a very good picture of what takes place whenever people stray away. So look at Jeremiah chapter 2 and let's look at verse 20. Here is what the Bible says. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 20. For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands and thou saidest I will not transgress when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. Now here's what, if you've got a Thompson chain, you see out to the side, it says high places, which is places where idols were exalted, and then it talks about spiritual adultery. Jeremiah was talking. He's saying, look, these people, they, they claim that they are serving the Lord, but their actions betray them. Now look at chapter 3, and beginning in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says there. They say, If a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return to her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. 
Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places, again, places of idolatry, and see where thou hast not been lying with. Talking about again being, being sexually immoral, spiritually immoral. In the ways hast thou sat for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there have been no latter rain, and thou hadst a, this is some strong language, this is KJV, thou hast had a whore's forehead, thou refusedest to be ashamed. Notice what happens whenever they start drifting. The showers have been beholden. There, there's no more blessing. And so whenever things sometimes start happening in people's lives and they start feeling distant from God, immediately the question to ask yourself is am I entertaining any kind of sinful practices or relationships that's blocking the hand of blessing that's in my life? I think those are valid questions that we should entertain. Verse 4, Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, My father, thou art the God of my youth? Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel had done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there and there hath played the harlot. And I said after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And, thou came, and it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. Now, you see that verse 8 there? <coughs> the Bible talks about how that Judah observed and watched the backslidings of Israel. And you would think that that would be a living object lesson to them to say, you know what, I see their backsliding, so I don't want to go in that direction. But Jeremiah prophesies. He said, Judah, you saw her doing, you saw Israel doing that. Remember, Judah's the southernmost part of Israel. You're looking up at the other ten tribes. Judah is down at the bottom. That's the southern portion of the kingdom. And then up the northern part, what Judah is doing is observing Israel and their backsliding, and you would think that they would say, you know what, I don't want to get involved in that. But they followed along. Brother Enzi used to say this to us pretty frequently in class. He'd say, learn from the mistakes of others because you're not going to live long enough to make them all yourself. And I would just say that here tonight. Observe the mistakes of others. Don't be judgmental. Don't be pharisaical. Look at their mistakes and say, this is a cautionary tale for me. I need to stay away from that. 
I don't need to fall into the trap and direction of their lives. Now, I'm going to give you some other scripture references. Both of these are extremely long, so I won't read them. But Ezekiel chapter 15, beginning in verse 15 through verse 41, and then in Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 5 through 44. And both of those are extremely lengthy readings. Ezekiel 16, 15 through 41, Ezekiel 23, 5 through 44. Basically what they're doing is reiterating what Hosea and Jeremiah are already talking about. So here's what's going to take place. Back to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 2, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to see that there's going to be a unity of religion. Now, have you been paying attention to the Pope? The Pope just recently signed into um, that same-sex unions are okay. Why is he doing that? It's because what he's trying to do is widen out the influence of what's taking place. Now, now, the two sins of the end time, and I've read this to you before in the book of Revelation. Now, whenever the witnesses, I believe it's in Revelation 13, where the, the two witnesses are in Jerusalem preaching, the Bible says that geographically they are there in Jerusalem. But here's what John observes. He said, but they're dealing with the spirit of Egypt and they're dealing with the spirit of Sodom. So I believe that the two end time spirits that we're going to have to contend with the most, Egypt is always a type of worldliness. Sodom and Gomorrah is a type of homosexuality. The Western church right now is being pounded with worldliness. And it won't be long before some good old Pentecostals you say, oh, no, it's never going to happen. Trust me, it will. It will. It'll, it'll encroach and it will move into the church and there will be people that proclaim and profess and they will be homosexuals and lesbians. It's on the way. And so what needs to happen is this, is the church needs to stay on fire so that when those people do come in, that what happens is, is that the Spirit convicts them and they're converted and they turn around and walk away from those lifestyles. But instead, now the Pope, what he's doing is he's trying to entertain, he's trying to pull them in. Not only that, there's also some, there's going, some conversations that's going on between the Pope and it's going on between Islam. What's taking place? There's a marrying together. Now you say, how do you know all of this stuff is going on? Look at verse 2. And the Bible says there, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now you say, well, how do you know this is a religious system? Because Revelation 17 is the ecclesiastical or church description of the kingdom of Babylon. Okay? Revelation 18 more talks, so, talks more so about the economic and the political system, but Revelation 17 is honed in on the religious system. So know your Bible. 
Have discernment. Read. Don't just read your Bible. Study your Bible. And there is a difference. There's a difference between studying and reading. And, and I'm trying to maybe do some stuff with my YouTube channel that, that tell you how to do a verse Bible study and a chapter Bible study because at the end of the day, what I want you is to be proficient with the Word of God because the more proficient you can be with Scripture, then the less likely it's going to be that you're going to be deceived. And Jesus was very much cautioning in the beginning of the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. He said, be careful that you don't get deceived. Make sure that you don't get deceived. So how do we make sure that we're not deceived? By knowing the Word of God. So in 17 and 2, there's a unity of religion and state. And then in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, look at the description that takes place. He says there at the end, he said, I will show unto thee the judgment of this woman that sitteth upon many waters. Keep in mind that whenever you're looking at your Bible, that whenever you see the description of nations described as many waters, what does that mean? That means people. It's a large group or a large amount of people. So what he's saying here is he's saying that this woman, she is going to sit above all of these people and they're going to be enamored with her. So it's completely ecumenical. Look at verse 15. The Bible says there, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where this woman sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Now you see the value of cross-referencing? What you've done is you cross-referenced Revelation 17.1 and you cross-referenced it with chapter verse 15. What that does is that gives you a bigger picture of what's taking place. So this woman has the ability to be able to say, I'm going to have influence and power over all of these folks. Now, i got to get rolling. 17.3, seven heads, ten horns. But here's where I want to kind of get to, and I'm skipping a lot. I've talked too much about the library and all that. But anyway, um. Here, here is, here's what's going to take place. This headquarters of this one world religion reaches back to Genesis chapter 11. You're taking notes, verse 1 through verse 9, as a Tower of Babel. That's where all of that starts out and that spirit of Babylon progresses and is even alive even now today. It will... Now here's what's going to take place. It's going to become desolate during the millennial reign of Christ. Now, turn back in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 13, and here's where I need about an hour starting with this, okay? Look at, look at Isaiah 13. By the way, while you're turning there, I forgot my wife said on your way out tonight, she's got your contribution slips, and so she'll have those available uh, whenever you leave here tonight. Isaiah 13. And look in verse 20. Here's what the Bible says, okay? This is where, look at verse 19. In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. 
It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their folds there, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses and dragons in their pleasant palaces and her time is near to come and her days shall not be prolonged. Turn over and go to Jeremiah chapter 50. Now keep in mind the description of the inhabitants. No, no man is going to be there, but there's going to be beasts, there's going to be satires, all those sorts of things. And... Um, I'll dig into that here in just a moment. Look at chapter, Jeremiah chapter 50 and look at verse 39. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the islands shall dwell there and the owls shall dwell therein and it shall be no more inhabited forever neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any man dwell therein. And turn over to chapter 51 and look there at verse 41. The Bible says there, How is Shishak taken? And how the praise of the whole earth surprised. How is Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? The sea has come up upon Babylon. She is covered with the multitudes of the waves thereof. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, and a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwelleth, neither doth any man uh, or any son of man pass thereby. Okay? So desolation is going to be there. Now, if you remember back from last Wednesday night, we talked about that campaign where the Lord was going to destroy the Antichrist and he was going to destroy the enemies that had come against Jerusalem. Y'all remember that? I know you remember that. It makes me feel good to say that. Um, anyway, <laughs> but let's talk about those animals. Um, animals as we know them could not survive there. It, they just couldn't. It's desolate, it's burning, and yet the Bible says the beasts are going to be there. Isaiah 13, 20 through 22, uh, Jeremiah 50, verses 39 and 40. And so what, I'm, what, what are these? If they're not, if they're not coyotes and, and wolves and lions and tigers and wild beasts, then, then what, what are they? Well, turn back to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18 and look in verse 1. And here's what the Bible says. It says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils 
and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So here's what John sees. John sees that this place is an inhabitation or an infestation of demonic spirits. So when you look at Babylon, you're like, okay, so, so where is Babylon? That's southern Iraq. Not only is southern Iraq going to be a place like that, but there's also going to be a place like that, which is, you remember we talked about how that Edom was going to be desolate? That's the southern area of Jordan. So modern-day maps are going to tell you that Babylon is kind of over where Iraq is at, southern Jordan there's going to be another place where it's totally desolate burning destruction during the millennial reign of Christ those demonic spirits will be confined to that area now you remember that word that we read in Isaiah where it talked about that they were satires S-A-T-Y-R-S some of the more modern translations translates that into night monsters. Okay? So let's think about this. That these wicked, foul spirits, and I don't want to get into a lot. If you want to dig in and study, I'm telling you, you can find out about something called the watchers that are identified in the book of Ezekiel. The watchers are, are demons on steroids. It talks about the Nephilim. That's in Genesis 6. These are demonic powers that literally are on steroids. So you ask yourself the question, well, if that's the case, then where are these spirits at right now? They're roaming the earth. So don't think for a second that the little book situation with the library, that, that's not just some library director trying to decide, well, I'm going I'm to do that. That's not, that's not that at all. Because Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, specifically in verse 12. He said, we're not, we're not fighting with flesh and blood. We're, we're, we're wrestling around with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness or darkness in heavenly places. So what has to happen? These demonic spirits have to have pawns. So who are the pawns? Library directors, surgeons that are doing transgender surgery, politicians. Okay, you you can our, the corruption that's in our world in Washington D.C. Entertainment. These actors and actresses, they're they're not actors and actresses. They're preachers. They're preaching to you. They're preaching to our children. Taylor Swift, I didn't know who Taylor Swift was until she got tied up with the football player. Then I started digging around. Well, who in the world is, is Taylor Swift? You get on YouTube and start watching some of her clips of her concerts. It's almost like they got a little seance going where they got witches brew and all this. And here's the deal. These young teenage girls are eating that stuff up. Go to Barnes & Noble and walk through the book section 
that's called YA, young adults, or go through the teenage section. Now, most guys, boys that age don't read. When you walk through those sections, look at the darkness that's on the covers of those books. So you know what they're talking about? And our young girls are reading those books. They're reading it about vampires. They're reading about paranormal. Say, oh, it's just a story. No, no, it's not just a story. It's the fact that there are spirits, and you're like, oh, boy, you are, you've really fallen and bumped your head. No, no, I, I, read, I read the Bible. I, I read the Bible. I'm serious about the Bible. So when you read that, here's what takes place. And if you wonder sometimes, I know y'all, y'all think, man, he's so hard. He's so rough. He's so, I'm trying to preach to you. I'm trying to, to wake you up and try to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, my dad said something to me after one of these Bible studies, and I kind of skirted around some of this. Whenever we moved to Niceville and I was in the third, fourth, and fifth grade, so that's been a long time ago, one of the families in the church got into the church because they went, and they were not in the church, but they went and watched the movie The Exorcist. And, and whenever they were driving somewhere around Niceville, Florida, they saw a demon dancing around on the front of their hood. It terrified them. Somehow or another, they had a connection to the church there in Niceville, and they got connected up with Brother Dennis, and by the time we got there, they were in the church, I mean solidly. Because here's the thing. All that started back in the 70s, and you think, man, the exorcist in the 70s, that's child's play compared to what we're watching now. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about demonic forces that are at play and they are at work. So what is the, let me just, just read, this is another book. Uh, this is Michael Brown, Revival or Die. 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly or more often. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. Recorded child sexual exploitation, known as child porn, is one of the fastest growing online businesses. 624,000 plus child porn traders have been discovered online in the U.S. The world's second largest free porn site also received over 42 million site visits in 2019 alone. 42 billion. Somebody do the math. 8 billion. 8 into 42, that's 5 times more than the population of the earth. Okay? Uh, tragic breakdown of the family. Who can comprehend evil and abuse and perversion on this level? Tragic breakdown of the family unit. Brookings Institute, I won't read that for sake of time. Uh, our world is falling apart. Witchcraft is on the rise. Radical feminism is on the rise. Marxism, transgender activism is on the rise. Mobocracy, that's a new word. The mobs. Remember, they broke loose, Black Lives Matter. 
Antifa, all that stuff, every bit of that is motivated by these demonic spirits, the Watchers, the Nephilim, and some others, and I'll let you dig them out because I'm not going to exalt the devil. So, so what, what do we do? Well, there's two accounts in, in the New Testament. One of them is in Matthew 16, and that's whenever Peter is there and, and the Lord begins to talk to him. And, and he ends up saying this to Peter. And he identifies the confession. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And then Peter responds back. And then here's what he says. He says, I'm going to build my church on this rock. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Okay? That, that's where in Matthew 16 that the Lord says that. Here's where Bible geography plays in there at that moment of confession. And then in, even in Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 2 through 8, transfiguration took place. What do you know? That whenever Jesus stood up and he said that those things were going to happen, where did he say that at? He said that at a place nearby Caesarea Philippi or at the foot of Mount Hermon. The Jews looked at that place and they believed. And Sister Royer got into it Sunday night whenever she got to talk about opening doors up. I believe that stuff. You, you, you let a grandfather open a door up, it affects the son. You let that son open that up, it affects the grandson because those doors or those pathways gets opened up. Jesus is talking about that. And he's saying that right there where he was at, when the Jewish people looked at him, they knew that from Canaanite practice, which is dark, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff, that Jesus told them one thing. He said, I'm going to build my church right here at the gates of hell. And that is not going to prevail against the church. So before you go home tonight, and get all worked up and nervous about, oh, what does that bump in the dark? And I don't need to be worried about the devil and all that. I'm going to tell you this. Here's what the enemy don't want you to know. This, is, this, is, this, this book right here, as is, is, uh, Randy Alcorn says in, in Lord Falgren's letters, this is the forbidden book. He don't want you reading this. You know why? Because if you ever get a hold of this, then 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 takes place. Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. So I'm just going to tell you something. Lay your hands on your children and pray for them. Lay your hands on your grandchildren and pray for them. That means that every time we walk in this house, that there ought to be praise and worship that comes up out of our mouths. Our hands are up. And I know, I trust me, trust me, I know our jobs are stressful. I know y'all think, boy, you got it, pastors. Boy, they don't have stress. Well, trust me. I worry about more stuff than I ever worried about when I was working at the hospital. Okay? But I get it. We're in a day where there's a lot of high pressure. And they did awesome with the music Sunday. Now, I did tell Justin. I said, man, y'all's in too big a hurry Sunday morning. I said, I know, Dad. I know. And, and Sister Brandy done a wonderful job, but they were trying to hurry up and get out of the way so that Brother Royer could preach. 
And then Sunday night I looked up and I thought, who in the world is that choir? Who are all these people up here singing? And the next thing you know, they start singing. We feel the power and the presence of God. That means that whenever you walk in that door, that door, and come in that door, that door, that, or any one of these five entrances, then there ought to be something in your heart that says, I'm walking into a place where I can get plugged in and I want the fear out of my life. I want to know that I'm walking victorious in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not who I am. It's not how much I've done. It's not developed on my performance, but I'm resting in the confidence that the Lord Jesus Christ has filled me with his spirit. Now, is there a responsibility that we have? Oh, yeah. It's called holiness. Holiness and separation from the world. Because I'll just tell you this. You, you, you just start, you try it, okay? You, you start trying, praying. You start, you start getting you a, a, a disciplined schedule with fasting. I'm going to tell you what. It'll do something. You, you're, like, you're like prayer. Oh, yeah, I want to pray. Here's what we've done with prayer. We've made prayer a task. We have. Instead, you ought to make prayer in this way. Hey, I'm get, I'm fixing to get to talk to the Lord. I told Brother Naylor this yesterday. I said, I'm afraid that what happens with people that are fellowshipping in prayer, that I love to go up to Danville, Kentucky and see Brother Naylor. You know why? It's because if I'm up there for more than about two days, he's going to take me to either Lexington, most likely it's Lexington. I'm going to go to Lexington, and, I, and he's going to take me to a restaurant that's called Malone's. I, I'm just telling you now. Okay, you eat one of those steaks at Malone's, now it's pricey, you're going to pay for it. But you go in there and you eat a steak and then you'll come back down here to Golden Corral and you're like, what in the world is this swill? And I, and I told Brother Naylor, I said, that's the way. Is that like I know, okay, I'm fixing to get to go up to Danville, not who, who knows when, but, but at some point I'm going to go to Danville, Kentucky, and we're going to go in there and man we're going to eat we're going to go to some bookstores and we're going to sit around and we're going to talk about the Bible and talk about preaching and talk about what the Lord's been putting in his heart what the Lord's been putting in my heart there's an anticipation we ought to feel like that on Sunday morning instead of drag oh dear God here it is church again I got to get up and go to church I'm going to tell you you ought to come in here and it's like man I can't wait to get to church whether it's Sunday morning or it's Sunday night or it's Wednesday night. Where in the world can you get some teaching like you've got tonight? Okay. Come on, y'all, help me with a few amens. Okay. There ought to be something inside of us. We say, man, I'm going to be able to go to church. Amen. Let's stand. I went two minutes over, but... Lord's going to help us. Man, I love the word of God. I want you just to know this. You can walk in spiritual authority. The Lord can work in your life. And I promise you, you your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, the Lord can work and minister through your praying. And it's a matter of just saying, you know what? What the Lord said that he was not going to let the church 
gates of hell were not going to prevail against the church. That's me. That's you. So keep your head up. And don't let him beat you down with discouragement. Why? Because you can't, you can't be defeated. You cannot be defeated. Now there are going to be slips and falls. Yeah, the righteous man falleth seven times. But he gets up every time. Keep that in your mind and in your heart. Thank God for this service tonight. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for your spirit. I'm thankful, Lord, for the liberty and the encouragement, God, that I've felt, Lord, here tonight from your word. I know, Jesus, how this thing's going to turn out. But, Lord, in the meantime, we're on a battlefield. And I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that there would be strength. I'm not talking necessarily about physical strength. But I'm praying, Lord, tonight that there would be spiritual strength and that, that you would embody and empower us and help us, Lord, to do your will. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would keep your hand on all of our families. And I know, Lord, that there's some of us, God, here that, that we have family members that are lost. But, Lord, help us, God, not to give up, but to continue to pray and to believe and know God, that you're going to be able to bring them in. I pray, Lord, that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. Thank you for coming to church tonight. The quiz tournament uh, has been canceled, and so we will not be hosting a quiz tournament uh, this weekend. It has been rescheduled, and we will have it in the month of May. Lord, bless you.